very good morning to you. Welcome into today's programme. We're with you right through until uh, 12 midday. And all the comment lines are open if you do want to get through to us. And now you can do so by just texting us or WhatsApping us to 086 38 33 55 3. That's 086 38 33 55 3. If you want to get in contact with us, we would like to hear from you today. Uh, that number again, 086 38 33 55 3 or 091 77077. We've known for quite a while that there's a GP crisis and there's two pieces in today's Irish Independent. And one of them is a GP uh, crisis investigation. Rural Ireland uh, worst hit as two-thirds unable to take up new patients. That would be new GPs. There's another uh, story coming from County Mayo where the GP indeed in one uh, rural village had uh, stepped down but the um, patients, indeed, in that area had to sit in until such time as they got another uh, GP to come. To talk to us as to how difficult it is when it comes to being a GP and a rural GP, I'm joined by Dr. Martin Daly from Bellicar, who joins me on the line today. Dr. Daly, good morning to you. Hi, Keith. Now, it's um, more than two out of three GPs in rural Ireland, according to the report today, are not taking on new patients, and some have a waiting list of up to two weeks for an appointment. This is uh, done. This is a study done by the Irish Independent today. Yeah, this is no su- surprise. We've been warning. Uh, the Irish Medical Organisation has been warning about this uh, for many years now, and I suppose it's it's a confluence of of factors that have sort of conspired to produce the storm. We've had a growth in population of uh, 1.2 million since 1999. Uh, We had effectively, during the financial crisis of uh, 2008, we had effectively not just not funding of general practice, but a defunding of general practice for about about six or seven years. And what that means, in effect, for your listeners is that the envelope of money that is paid to GPs to provide services and premises and nurses and staff was cut by 35% and that lasted for about seven or eight years and uh, that meant that GPs uh, didn't take on new staff, didn't take on younger GPs, uh, let staff go and services were restricted. Uh, Since 2019 the funding has come back in fairness to the department and the HSE into the system but we're playing catch up. So two deals in 2019 and 2023 uh, further funding has come back into practice but we are playing catch-up and we're paying, we've lost, I would say, it's it's the last 15 years. So this crisis began in the early noughties, um, but um, lack of planning and lack of strategy uh, in terms of uh, the government has led to this crisis. And it's successive government, so I can't blame any one government. Okay. But like in 2001, we had a primary care strategy. 1.2 billion euros was promised to general practice and primary care in order to build that infrastructure to deliver the health strategy, which was the Slaunch of Care Mark 1. Uh, and none of that money came into practice. And I know people sometimes say, well, look, doctors are well paid and uh, all the rest of it. We have to invert it. If you want a service, you've got to build that service and you've got to fund that service. And what we're seeing now is Whilst GPs have seen funding come back into the practice, they're playing catch-up in terms of staff, in terms of infrastructure, and in terms of patients' expectations. Patients are more sophisticated now. Mm. They have greater expectation of their GP and of their health services, and quite rightly so. And so all of that conspires to produce this workload demand, shortage of GPs, and lack of capacity. But can I put it to you just, I mean, then the free GP visits, indeed, those cards that were given out, indeed, right across the board, is that putting extra pressure on the system where people, rather than going to the doctor 
are going more often perhaps and then clogging that system. And then on top of that then, with the Ukrainians that have come into the country, is that adding further pressure to GPs right across the country? No, I think... I think it would be absolutely wrong to blame the extension of the medical card system and it would be absolutely wrong to blame refugees for a capacity issue that has existed for 20 years okay. and more, 24 years. So uh, let, let's be honest, we knew about this in the early noughties. There were uh, demographic studies done on population growth. There were uh, demographic studies done on GPs uh, who were going to come to retirement in the next 10 to 15 years. We knew this. This, this was not unknown. We can go back 20 years. So what we have is, so, so blaming additional factors, which might uh, cause tightening of that capacity, uh, is, is unfair to those groups of people. And, and it's also unfair, like also to the nature of general practice has changed. It, long gone is the day where a GP turned up and, you know, people queued up 25, 30 in a room and saw one after another in a seven-minute a seven consultation. The complexity of consultations in the general practice is is much different than it was 20, 25 years. Okay. It's a completely different service. It is essentially a general medical service in the community, you know, and greater responsibility, okay. greater depth and breadth of services. Can you stay with me, if you don't mind, Dr. Daly? I just need to go to the newsroom for a newsflash. And... Uh Bernadette, yes, morning to you. Good morning, Keith. Uh, news just coming through that the former Taoiseach John Bruton has died. In a statement, his family say that the 76-year-old died peacefully at the Matter Hospital in Dublin early this morning, surrounded by his family after a long illness. Now, more details a little later, but certainly, Keith, um, uh, quite shocking news there. I think his illness was kept very much under the radar and uh, people will uh, remember John Bruton. It's not so long, really, in, in terms of people's memories from when he was Taoiseach and indeed he was Taoiseach at some very pivotal uh, times and uh, he of course would have been quite respected and then went on to international politics after he was Taoiseach so news just coming in that former Taoiseach John Bruton has died. Well may you rest in peace indeed more on that uh, later in the programme. Um, Dr Daly thanks indeed for staying with us just there. I mean I, I've come across um, um, young GPs and I've spoken to them recently indeed and they're working until midnight, some of them, just to try to keep the paperwork done. Like they're, I mean, as a as a senior GP, indeed. I mean, what would your recommendation to them be? I mean, the workload is so high on them. Yeah. Before we go any further, I'd like to pay my respects to John Bruton, our ex-Taoiseach, yeah. who gave great public service to this country, and no matter what political persuasion you were of, and represented Ireland very ably uh, as a U- EU ambassador to uh, uh, the United States. So, uh, my sympathies to his family. Um, in terms of uh, younger GPs and the workload, yes, if if you're expecting a service to deliver a more comprehensive service. Uh, with greater complexity in terms of the services that you offer, then you must be build up the capacity around and to enable those doctors to deliver that service. So the old formulas go out the window in terms of, you know, one doctor with 1,200 medical card patients needs one nurse, one secretary. Well, one doctor with 1,200 medical cards might need a practice manager and two secretaries and one and a half nurses now to deliver the type of service that patients quite rightly expect and that the state also is expecting the general practice to deliver in under slauncher care. You know, this idea that general practice will be the pivotal part of slauncher care going forward and that people will receive services in the community appro- most appropriately and most accessibly for them. So 
we really need to we really have to rethink the formula completely we also need to try and remove some of the duties from gps within their own practices uh, that allows them and enables them to see patients so yes if there's additional paperwork if there's additional uh, responsibilities that are very very good practice nurses uh, carry out that we divert some of that workload towards us but that requires funding and it does require a different formula in terms of providing services. Um, can I also ask you, though, just in relation to people not being able to get GPs, I mean, I've spoken to uh, a number of people, indeed, who've moved out of Galway, Dublin and elsewhere, and they just don't seem to be able to get a GP because the GPs in the districts that they're in are just so busy. And I certainly know from speaking to one of them, they presented themselves in the ED department, indeed, in one of the Dublin hospitals, um, because they had no access to a GP. That's only putting extra pressure on that system then as well. It's absolutely regrettable that uh, uh, someone feels that they had to present for a for a, um, for a service to an um, inappropriately to an emergency department, but had no choice but to do so. And I think this is again back to capacity. Uh, if you can only fit so much into the working day, and if you start trying to stretch that rubber band, what happens is mistakes happen. So GPs are absolutely conscious that in an increased increasingly litigious uh, environment that if they uh, are seeing too many patients aren't taking care of the paperwork and I know say for example when one of your listeners comes and has blood tests done by a GP well the GP is absolutely primarily responsible for those results and conveying those results in a timely manner to uh, their patients or if they order an ultrasound or an x-ray and all those reports come back in so it's a double-edged sword GPs have greater access uh, especially enabled by the HSE to uh, imaging such as MRI scans, CT scans and uh, and blood laboratory services. But then there comes a responsibility. If you order a test, you must follow it up and you must convey that result to the patient. We're also seeing increasingly, and I'm not blaming my hospital colleagues for this, but we're seeing increasingly that our patients who are referred to uh, appropriately to hospital for admission or assessment uh, that uh, a lot of work is being generated by uh, instructions from the hospital sector back to GPs to take responsibility control because they have problems with capacity. So, I mean, you know, this is not just general practice in isolation. Our hospital sector hasn't grown. We haven't built an adult hospital uh, since Tala nearly 30 years ago, yeah. you know, and the population has grown by 1.2 million. We had more beds in the system in 1987 than we have in 2024 with a, a, a younger population and, and uh, less demand and less expectation of our health services. So it is capacity and it is a massive, massive challenge for the government. And, and it shouldn't be a big surprise to them because we do a census every couple of years, so we do. So they have to see the growth of the country. And if it's growing, you have to accommodate the growth uh, from there. So it shouldn't, our conversation and previous conversations shouldn't come as a, as a surprise to anybody. It shouldn't, but I would say that, you know, when people ask about the damage that the financial crisis in 2008 did to the country, you know, yes, there was the initial financial issues around mortgages and people's loans and their and their livelihoods. But what we're really seeing now is we're seeing a lost decade where our public infrastructure was not addressed uh, and we are now trying to play catch up. And we have to stop doing this since it, it, it seems to come in cycles. We, we're constantly paying, playing catch up. And 
I think that that's where we're seeing the real effect of that last decade. Uh, we're seeing the real effect, and it's not just in our health services. It's a, a lot, a range of public services, but it's most acute in our health services. And finally, I mean, if family members um, would, if a family member came to you and said, look, um, I'm thinking of going to, or I'd, I'd like to become a GP, what would your advice to them be? I'd say please become a GP because I tell you what, it's a fabulous job. It's hugely rewarding uh, professionally, personally, and it is well paid as well. Let's be honest, okay? But, uh, I, you know, I would say to them, mind yourselves because at the end of the day, you can't provide uh, services to your patients uh, unless you're well yourself uh, and unless you get rest, you get your holidays, you get access, especially increasing number of our younger GPs are female, uh, access to maternity leave, sick leave, educational leave. And, you know, if, if, if GPs can't get access to those very basic entitlements, uh, then they won't take up careers here. And one heartening thing is in our Western training scheme, our tra uh, trainers meeting uh, two weeks ago, uh, one of the assistant directors, uh, Dr. Aaron Brennan, had done a, a, a box pop with uh, the GP registrars and the vast majority of them want to stay in Ireland. The vast majority of them want to take up full-time general practice. So it's really enabling those young GPs, training GPs, to stay in this country and to take up practice. And that does fall to the department, the HSE and the government, to, to, to invert this this the invert the view so that they know they take a look at what will keep those younger GPs in Ireland rather than saying here's the contract it's well paid you go out and set up on your own mm. we won't have an integrated health service if we do that Dr Martin Daly thank you for giving us of your uh, time uh, this morning and again thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule and uh, to join us uh, today your thoughts and comments and have you gone through something similar to that if so what you need to do is uh, text us to 086 3833 just going back by the way to that news just breaking and uh, that Bernadette brought to us there in the news flash uh, former Taoiseach John uh, Bruton uh, died after a long illness and uh, and I didn't realise, and I know he's um, he's a cousin indeed of my sister-in-law, and I didn't realise that he had been uh, not well or unwell. Uh, but again, he passed away aged 76 following a long illness. Um, his family were by his side, and he passed away in the Matter Private Hospital in Dublin, uh, surrounded by his family. And uh, he was, it just goes on, he's survived by his wife, Fanula, who's a, a wonderful person as well and his son Matthew and daughters uh, Juliana, Emily and Mary Elizabeth and his grandchildren there as well. But uh, again, uh, an end of an era, really very, very much the end of an era. We'll try and get back to that by the end of the programme as well. Now then, let's take a quick commercial break and we're back just after these. <laughs> A very good morning to you on this Tuesday morning following a bank holiday weekend. Let us go indeed to Fiona Jennings who joins us. She's Head of Policy and Public Affairs with the ISPCC because today is what is referred to as Safer Internet Day. Fiona, good morning to you. Good morning, Keith. Thanks for joining us uh, today. What exactly is Safer Internet Day? Yeah, so Safer Internet Day, it's a landmark global day and um, it's celebrating 21 years um, this year and really it's a day um, in the calendar to mark all things online safety and to give children and young people especially an opportunity to share and to talk about what's good about the internet but also as well looking to like what are the challenges and concerns around it as well. So I guess we're delighted to be here today at our Tech In Our World event in Microsoft's Dream Space with children and young people to talk about what's important to them and this year's theme is 
um, as I said, tech in our world, and they're really looking at the whole area of generative AI and what it's going to mean for them. Okay, so for parents listening to us then today, how do you start that conversation where they don't say, ah, for God's sake, mom and dad, I know what I'm doing? Yeah, and like that's, you know, a response from, you know, children and young people, you know, who are online and who are offline as well. And really what we say is we try and encourage, you know, parents to try and meet their child or young person where they're at find out what do they like about the online world you know what platforms or apps that they're using how do you start the conversation though fiona yeah and it's really just about you know what are you doing today who have you been chatting with where have you been chatting with them you know what apps are you using what do you like about them and it's trying to find some type of way that it's going to engage them and this is more important, I suppose, than people think because, you know, children will invariably come across, you know, content that um, will trouble them or they they may be approached by a stranger online and that they need to be able to go to their parents or caregivers who they believe will have the confidence to, I suppose, listen to them really and understand what they're talking about. So it's really important from that point of view as well. There's a lot of education going on in schools, so there is in and around this, um, but how do you educate the parents so that they're ready for that question that you're talking about? Yeah, so there's plenty of resources out there and we would really encourage parents to check out the resources. So in the Irish Safer Internet Centre, it's a partnership made up of Webwise, the ISPCC, National Parents Council and also Hotline.ie. So National Parents Council, ISPCC and Webwise all have resources on their website um, for parents and caregivers. So we'd always encourage them, you know, to check that out, have a chat among, you know, their their parent peers, if you want as well, and to talk about what's going on, because I think that parent solidarity piece is really important when it comes to the whole online space. And from a, so for the internet, for Safer Internet, which you're talking about today on this Tuesday morning, um, I mean, you have to have broadband or you have to have access to broadband or otherwise. Are there ways of restricting it for parents or how do you do it so you don't cause our own house? Yes, yeah. Um, so again, you know, we find, you know, with a lot of things like, you know, restrictions and bans don't always necessarily work. So we would encourage parents to try and come up with a mutual agreement with their with their child or young person in terms of, you know, well, this is the, you know, you can go online this time, um, but, you know, for other times then you need to find a balance and do stuff that's offline as well. And again, it's trying to get that happy medium. So when both are in agreement that it can, it can work better, whereas often with any types of bans or restrictions that you push in, you know, teenagers or children, they'll always find a workaround or they'll always push against it. Um, but not forgetting as well that you are the parent in the relationship. That's really, really important. And acknowledging, I suppose, the role that, you know, devices and the online space have in children's worlds today as well. That's really important. And sometimes we forget about that, that that's there. Mm. That's how they connect with one another as well. But to get that balance right is incredibly important. Um, and to have that conversation with children as well in terms of why it's important to have that, that healthy balance between the two. Again, you, you have an event I know on uh, later on this morning, so you have. But I mean, can people log on to that? And, and if so, where do they go to log on to it? Or is it going to be there for them to log on to maybe when they get home from work this evening? Yes, yeah, so we've got um, schools around the country are going to be tuning in to um, the Safer Internet Day event, which is fantastic. We'll have plenty of resources up afterwards as well that we'll be disseminating out to parents and to schools as well. And, you know, Safer Internet Day, yes, it's, it's a day in the calendar, as I was saying, but also as well, we encourage it not to be just one day that happens, you know, in the year that, 
that what happens, you know, today on Safer Internet Day, you know, lessons are created throughout the school year. Are, 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 um, the messages, I suppose, are continuing yeah. as well, so not just for today. But every day should nearly be a Safer Internet Day. Well, very much so, because, you know, we talk about the online world and the offline world, but really, you know, that delineation isn't there anymore. They're they're both enmeshed in one another. Um, so we need to try and, I suppose, realise that and learn how to kind of live with it as well, so that we have, um, I suppose, the best of both of the worlds, if you want. Um, again, from um, parents, I have to keep going back to parents' mm. point of view, just, I mean, because they're the ones that will be listening. The young people will be... Are they on for this week? Are they on? Uh, maybe they're not on a break or otherwise. But just for the parents and grandparents that may be listening to us, it really is all about educating them so that they have the tools that if and when it does happen, uh, that they know where to go. And if I was to get, direct them to, to one place then, just even as a starting point, and as I said, there's plenty of resources out there, but the ISPCC develop, developed um, the, what we called the Digital Ready Hub. And so for parents, you can get it on, you can log on to it at ispcc.ie and there's a quiz there. So we would encourage, you know, even if that was your starting point, to take the quiz and just to kind of test yourself and see what level of knowledge that you have. Um, it'll give you a score, it'll only give it to you. And what it'll do then is it'll direct you then to different types of content available on ispcc.ie, um, then whether it might be a video to watch or a tip sheet to look at or even conversation starters as well. Um, that you can use with your child to talk about. Really, it's about upskilling the parenting or carer as well in terms of, you know, the, the the terminology that's out there, the platforms that are out there, the issues that are out there. Because, I mean, the young people may be brighter than the parents when it comes to the internet. Yeah, and, you know, we often hear that as well. And, you know, they might be tech savvy, but, you know, they still don't have They're the necessary... Yeah, they still don't necessarily have that level of maturity, that level of, I suppose, negotiating skills, etc., to be able to operate in the world, in the online world, as they would in the offline world. You know, so, you know, parents or parenting is not redundant when it comes to the online world. And we need to kind of reassure parents that, you know, they have the skills, you know, they just need to be able to transfer them from that offline space to the online space. Very. I mean, it's a simple message, but it's getting them to do it. Yeah, it is. And look, it's not easy. They There's, want to, but mm, how do they do it? See, There's a lot of demands. Yeah, there is a lot of demands on parenting today. Um, anybody in a parenting role today, there is a lot of demands. But I suppose what we would say is try not to get overwhelmed with it. Um, try and have faith in your own um, skills and your own knowledge. But, you know, do seek the support as well and um, wherever you want to get it. Um, because, you know, Starting, I suppose, making the start is the biggest thing. Have the schools bought into this? The Safer Internet Day, yeah. yeah. I mean, every year it's brilliant to see the numbers grow and grow in terms of the schools that are taking part um, in Safer Internet Day. And we love to kind of look forward to getting um, their pictures or their activities back to us as well so that we can share them then as well with other schools who, who are thinking about taking part in it again. But it's definitely growing in Ireland. And, you know, Webwise do a phenomenal job in terms of recruiting schools and making schools aware about it. And also with their Safer for Internet Day ambassador program as well where they bring loads of children and young people together and if you want they kind of go back to their schools then and they're the champions then in their schools so with they, other children. They disseminate the information yeah. to all the young people, yeah. They're the heroes coming back because they have the information I take it. 
they have the information, yeah, and they get that, you know, that training and that support from Webwise. But they also get, I suppose, the awareness of that it's okay not to know everything. It's okay to have these different feelings in the online space, but to reach out for help and support as well. And, you know, younger peers will always... um, you know, they'll always take on board, I suppose, what older peers say as well. So to have that bit, um, to have that part of the programme as well is really important. So uh, Fiona Jennings, Head of Policy and Public Affairs with the ISPCC, give me a website address then again, please, there that we could we should send them towards. Yeah, so for parents, you know, there's ispcc.ie, there's npc.ie and webwise.ie as well. But also as well, um, Keith, another partner in the Safer Internet Centre is hotline.ie. So hotline.ie performs a really important function as well that, you know, if you know any member of the public really comes across content that they're unsure about, that they have concerns about particularly content that you know may be harmful to children or young people um, or that where children and young people are in um, in concerning situations they can report it then to hotline.ie as well and what will happen so hotline.ie then link with Angarda Shiakona and they link with the platforms that host the content and they work then to try to remove it and to get it taken down Wow, wow, powerful so it is then altogether. Listen, Fiona, enjoy the day. It is, um, again, Safer Internet Day today, Tuesday. Um, and again, if you want to get further details, go to ispcc.ie, npc.ie, uh, webwise.ie or hotline.ie. They're all .ie domains that are there. Uh, Fiona, thanks for popping into us and uh, good luck with the rest of the day. Great, thanks, Keith. I'm delighted to go to the Mercy College in Woodford indeed and I'm joined by Alana Tyrrell on this because we're looking at internet safety for children and we're also looking at uh, the youth panellist as well but to give me further details on this Alana joins you on the line today. Alana good morning to you. Good morning thanks for having me. Thanks for joining us. Tell me a little bit about the youth panellist. Who set this up and what's it really about? So it's an organisation run by Webwise who are um, advertising for safer internet for children and for teenagers and trying to educate working with schools across Ireland to provide a safer internet. So then as a student indeed and you're in transition year, are you the ambassador for them so you go through the school and you promote safe, safer internet? Yes, yeah, so myself and another girl, May Tracy, we started last year just as ambassadors um, it was our first time hearing about the campaign and we got involved and now this year we've progressed to youth panellists so we're helping uh, this year's ambassadors get our campaign in our school and we went to Dublin to train the rest of the country's ambassadors as well. What's involved in this? Give me a, give me a practical example of what you do in Woodford. And as ambassadors we're starting a campaign so last year we went to all our junior cycle classes and we ran a presentation. We focused more on cyberbullying and data footprint and we had information about that and we ran a Kahoot quiz and a poster competition and we had winners and they received prizes and we tried to get as many students involved and to learn more about it because we we didn't know anything in the first place and it was just getting more people involved Mm. and finding out where it could really go and this year we have two new students they are starting their campaign and we're helping them and we're on Tuesday we're going to celebrate it in Microsoft in Dublin and we're running a day there there's um, activities and a youth panel discussion and there'll be guest speakers as well and that's all run by Webwise. Okay, but let's go back to your school though. I mean, when you went into the um, junior classes and you started talking, is there an interest in being safer? 
There is. We ran a, a survey before we even did the presentation. We had four subjects. We had cyberbullying, data footprint, and we had two others. I can't remember at the moment. But we did the survey to see which would the students be most interested in learning about. And cyberbullying and data footprint were the most common. So we made a little presentation and we went in and we had activities where the students had to get involved. Like, for example, we had a bystander and an upstander in that situation. They had to decide and the students really got involved and there was a definitely an interest there. I can get to cyberbullying. What exactly is data footprint, can I ask you? So data footprint is like the footprint you leave online. So if you go into a website or if you comment on a post or anything you do, it's leaving all this data behind and it's the footprint you leave, leave behind. So, mm. oh, And what is that footprint used for then, Alana? Or can it be used by others? Or misused well, by others? Websites kind of use it or you see like accepting cookies and all of that stuff. Um, it's Some of them tailor the ads to you or if they say, oh, she clicked on this link and they clicked on that link, they target more of that kind of stuff towards you to get you to stay online longer or to go to the website or et cetera, et cetera. So Big Brother is really watching us then, Alain, is that the case? <laughs> yeah, it really is. And, and again, though, for young people, because you are the future, you, Alana Terrell, are the future, and your colleagues <laughs> and those that you're educating, you are the future. Um, do, you, do you think, can we get a handle on cyberbullying and data footprint and all of that so that it remains ours and won't be accept, won't be used by others? I really hope so. And that's the aim of all these campaigns. And I think if we had more young people getting involved, it really does help because the younger generations are the one who um, were feeding into the the cookies and all this kind of data footprint. We're feeding into that. So I think if the younger people take more control of their own data, it really will help. And again, how do you take control of it, can I ask you? Well, uh, if you go onto a website and I, I keep going back to cookies, but you can decline that. It doesn't take it doesn't make a difference to your experience online. It's just keeping your data private. It's stuff like declining that. Don't if it looks if it doesn't look like a trusted website, don't go near it because trust trust your judgment like it's not going to be. And um, don't be sharing your own data online because it's yours and just, they can take it off you. So you're saying that when you go accept or consent or do that, just you don't have to. I I always tend to say, uh, well, I I I wouldn't be online as much as you would be, but I would always accept if it's a trusted website, um, because I would be afraid that I wouldn't get the information that I'm looking for. Yeah, and they always say, oh, it's going to t- tailor it'll downgrade your experience. All that it does not make a difference no. if you go in and accept them or decline them. If you decline them, it's not going to make a difference no. at all. It, it's an interesting field because even recently there we were talking about something um, uh, after the programme and we were talking about a specific food. And the next thing when I went online to, to look something else up, um, a special offer for that food came up. So they're even listening to our phones even when the phones aren't being they used by us. They <laughs> They definitely are, are they? Uh, well, I'm not that informed about uh, listening to us but I see it was, it was something random like a kettle because we were talking it was one of those broken and then I opened my phone and I had 
Harvey Norman and Curry's and all these people <laughs> trying to get me to buy kettles. Yeah, they were trying to sell me falafels, so they were, we were talking about falafels after the program. Yes. I, I like falafels, and we were talking about falafels, and all of a sudden I got a special offer so I did from uh, Cafe and Galway uh, that they would deliver falafels via delivery for me, and away you go. Like it's, it's, it's a very, it's, a, it's an interesting concept. We wish you the very best to look with it. Are you going to stay with it then? But you're in transition. What do you do for um, fifth and sixth year now? Um, we're going to stay with it as long as possible. It does take up a lot of time, so it's, we'll have to review it in going into leave insert. But it's such a good campaign, and we're going to stay stick with it as long as possible. All right, keep in contact with us, Alan and Terrell, if you don't mind, and do keep in contact. Keep us, um, give us the progress report uh, every so often, if you don't mind. But thank you, indeed for joining us oh, today. Love, sir. And congratulations, thank you very much. Alan and Terrell. Thank you for joining us today on the program. You're very good. Yeah, let me go to um, Garda Marcus Flynn, who joins us on the line uh, because uh, we're looking for your assistance. Uh, Garda Marcus Flynn, good morning to you. Good morning, Keith. Thanks for joining us uh, today. We're looking at a, an aggravated burglary in the Loch Ray region. You've got full details on this. Gardy in Loch Rear investigated an aggravated burglary which occurred at a business premises on Main Street, Loch Rear. The burglary occurred on the 31st of January between 2.05 a.m. and 2.10 a.m. Two males entered the premises, one armed with an iron bar. The owner of the premises was threatened when he disrupted the two suspects. Both suspects had their face covered up with scarves and wearing gloves. During the course of the incident, a large quantity of iPhones were stolen. Gardaí are appealing to anyone who may have witnessed any persons or vehicles acting suspicious in the area or may have any other information to contact Lockray Garda Station on 091-842-870 or the Garda Confidential Line on 1-800-666-111. Gardaí are also advising members of the public to bear in mind any phones for sale in the usual suspects to, uh, or circumstances to contact their local Garda Station. Now you're sticking with um, burglary indeed, and um, but this was in Gort, so it was... Gardaí and Gorath are investigating a burglary that occurred between 2.35pm on the 2nd of February and 12.30am on the 3rd of February at Grove Court. Entry was gained through the rear kitchen window of a house and the house was subsequently ransacked. During the course of the break-in, jewellery and cash was taken. Anyone who may have any information is asked to contact Gork Garda Station on 091 or again the Garda Confidential Line 1-800-666-111. We're going to New Castle Road on this one and another burglary there. Keith, a homeowner returned to the house on Newcastle Road on Tuesday the 30th of January at approximately 6pm to discover the rear window of the premises that had been smashed. They heard a number of persons inside the property who fled the area when disturbed. Any with any information is asked to contact Galway Garda Station on 091 You're going to Johishka then for the final burglary. That's correct, Keith. On Tuesday the 30th of January at approximately 9pm, four youths were observed with torches inside a house under construction in Kulchira in Duishka. Anyone who may have any information in relation to the incident or may have CCTV in the area is asked to contact Gardaí at Ormore Garda Station on 091 388 030. Now you're making an appeal, Garda Marcus Flynn, today in relation to a traffic accident that uh, occurred in the Ormore region. On Wednesday the 10th of January between 7.35am and 7.45am a traffic accident occurred on the Caramanish roundabout in Ormore where a dark coloured car collided with a motorcycle causing injury. The driver of the car continued in the direction of Clare Galway and failed to remain at the scene. Guardian Ormore are appealing for anyone who may have witnessed the accident, who may have been in the area and has dash cam footage 
or with any other information in relation to the dark colour car to contact Garda Patrick Foley at Ormore Garda Station on 091 388 or again the Garda Confidential Line on 1800 666 And finally Garda Marcus Flynn we need everyone's attention on this one it's a road traffic hit and run and you're looking for details on it too I think that's just a repeat of, the, of that one. I think it was a duplication of the last one where uh, the last appeal. No bother at all. But if they can in, in any way help uh, Gather Patrick Foley and Ormore Guard Station on 0913880330. Gather Marcus Flynn, have a safe week. And thanks uh, to you and your colleagues indeed for what you do on a daily basis. Again, for the details, can be had from Ormore Guard Station on 0913880330. Now, very good morning to you. And going back to the 6th of October, indeed, when the news came to us, indeed, that uh, a gentleman of gentlemen who um, passed away, indeed. But his daughter and son and friends are here. But uh, Keelan Green joins me in studio with Jessica and Brendan uh, Ruddy as well. Uh, Keelan and Jessica, good morning to you. Thanks for joining us uh, today. Uh, Keelan, you're you're doing this in your Joe's son. Yeah, that's right. So we decided we'd do a, a cycle to Cheltenham. It's a route that he travelled couple of times a year usually our mother's from Cheltenham so we said we'd do something um, that would be kind of to, to remember on by Oh so not just the races you because mum was from there Yeah well that was his excuse as well to get over <laughs> once or twice a year What a lovely excuse to have from yeah. there So you're heading off so you are and what made you decide then bike to Cheltenham just to, you're trying to raise money enough for research as well Yeah I suppose it was something none, none of the lads that are, who are cycling are are, we're all novices, so we said we'll do something with a bit of hardship in it, um, and something worthwhile with the worthwhile charity. Um, the charity is Breakthrough Cancer Research, which um, I suppose that they're 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 specialised in early detection, and we just thought that, that we uh, quite a, a good cancer to raise the money for, or mm. charity to raise the money for. You could have picked easier challenges, you know that, Keelan, don't you? Yeah, I do. Yeah, so we said we'll 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 challenge ourselves. We yeah. like the hardship. And, and you, are you a fairly good cyclist? No, I, uh, I bought my bike in just before Christmas, so <laughs> uh, a beginner like us all. I think we all bought new bikes. And you're kind, you're kind of hoping that they'll carry you through all together. Yeah, uh, yeah. From there, um, Jessica, morning to you as well. Thanks for joining us. Uh, you've you've had a year of years, so you have, including. Uh, Dad's passing as well, but you're looking after the administration. So are you keeping an eye on these guys then? Yeah, I have my work cut out for me. I think, but I, I know. see that already. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, no, look at the the lads are taking on the hardship of the cycle and they're practicing and training away. So I suppose I'm just doing the background myself and my sister and ma'am, and um, yeah, just getting all the fundraising going and. You know, people are more than willing to help out anyway. And have you a figure, guys, that you'd like to raise? Not really. We started off at twenty thousand, I think, between what we've collected for our upcoming events and stuff, we're we're over that already. Um mm. so I suppose the more we get the better, really. Um it didn't really it was just more of a it was something for the boys to process as well with dad's death, I think, and it's they were taking something on, so the training eased everything for them and um it's just because it's still very raw, so it's only the 6th of October. It's, it's mm. really very raw for um, Keenan, you. Keenan, you brought some victims. Sorry, you brought some friends with you <laughs> as well. Uh, Brendan Ruddy. Um, Brendan, are you a, an accomplished cyclist? Uh, no, I wouldn't say that, no. But I know when Keenan said it first, I suppose, it was like, oh Lord, what are we in for here? And you couldn't say no then, could no, you? No, absolutely not. You know, it's for a great cause. And, you know, yeah. Joe's a great friend to everyone and, you know, a great family man. And he's sadly missed, you know. But, um, no, certainly... Um, you know, it'll be tough, but um, it'll be well worth doing, you know, and um, 
training's under full swing at the moment, getting the kilometres in with all the crew and mm. yeah, it's going well so far, so hopefully it'll go well. You yeah. Know. And you were the first in studios for us, so you're you're a non time person. Yeah. So we kinda of hope you'll get to Cheltenham on time. Oh, hopefully we'll, we'll be see. driving Hopefully it. we're there by Monday anyways, that's the main thing, you know. And you have Oliver Newell as well, uh, joining as well. Uh, how Keelan did you gather the, 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 the gang together? It didn't take much persuasion to them. I just put it out there and the lads put their hands up. Um, I have a couple of cousins, dads, nephews as well that are doing it, my brother, and a couple of the lads around Crawford. They just they said they'll do it with me. There was no there was no persuasion needed. Um, they put their hands up straight away. Mm. So trying to get the kilometres in, as Benny said, is, it's hard enough to do it this year. So we have a couple of stationary bikes put up in the shed as well. So we're doing that in the evening times. And how long do you think will it take you then? Um, over the, it'll take about five and a half days, we're thinking, in total. So we're going to be getting to Cheltenham on the Monday before the festival, so it coincides nicely with the festival as well, the racing. Now you'll have to rest then for a few days before you <laughs> go to the festival, I take it? No, we, we're, we're planning on going, landing there Monday and going racing Tuesday, so... Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> you have it all planned? Yeah, we won't be cycling to the festival, but... Yeah, you'll be walking with funny feet, so you <laughs> will have to get off the bikes uh, from there. And Jessica, if people want to, I know they can drop into your sister in Woodkey, into Joe Green's in Woodkey as well, if they want to make donations, or, or where else can they make donations? Well, we have an I donate page up. It's Ride Cheltenham, and we also have an email, uh, Ride Cheltenham at gmail.com for anybody who wants to get in touch regarding sponsorship. We have a few upcoming events, and there's advertising space and stuff like that. And mm. everybody's welcome to make as little or as much as they want. Um, mm. We know it's a hard time for everybody, so we're not pushing it too much. We're just making it, putting it out there, and it's up to whoever wants to get involved. But that was involved. Was it the ACC started in Woodkey? Eighty-four. He would have been thirty. He will be thirty or forty years um, in Woodkey on the eighth March, the day the day the boys set off. Wow, isn't that very special? Yeah, it just coincides. It wasn't really planned that way, but it coincides. Yeah, mom and dad set it up that date in nineteen eighty-four. So, oh, and, and still going strong. Still you're, going strong. Sian and Keelan has a hand in it as well. Yeah, Keelan works in the shop as yeah. well. I haven't seen you in there. No, it's only two days a week, so <laughs> usually they keep me the quiet days. And come here to you, how's mom doing, can I ask you? Yeah, she's, we're very proud of her. It's tough. She's back to work now and uh, back into her routine, but, you know, it's for her, it's learning a whole new life without him. Mm-hmm. Um, for all of us, but especially for her. Mm-hmm. So, um, will mom go on the support vehicles with you then to make sure? She's going to skip that. I think she might be a bit fearful of, <laughs> of watching the boys on the bikes. She's going to uh, fly out and meet us there on the Monday. So she'll be there just to greet them as they come Yeah, in. exactly. Yeah, we have plenty of family over there too, so um, the Monday night, whether the lads are able for it or not, I think we'll, there'll be a big welcome party there. There'll be a hooli there. So yeah. I donate, there'll be one that can pop into Joe Green's and Woodkey. Yeah, or get us on ridesgentlemen at gmail.com and I'll send on any info anybody so that's our, um Is that bike to Cheltenham? Or no, ride. Ride so, yeah. to... R-I-D-E to T-O cheltenham at gmail.com I'll take it from there yeah. um, and how many in total are going with you Keelan so we have Brendan as a victim sorry as a participant and Oliver as a victim slash participant how many more then will there um, there's 13 going to Dublin and 12 doing it the far side Ali can't do the, the far side because his his wife is due that, that weekend or around that time so he, 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 he didn't excuse isn't he brave isn't <laughs> to go at all yeah one yeah thing. You have a helicopter on standby, I'm told. Yeah, I do, yeah. I know, he's fairly quick on the bike. <laughs> he can cycle down <laughs> yeah. if, something hap- if something happens uh, from there. Yeah, it, it, you have a big gang of them going, so you have. Yeah, yeah, there is no other. It'll be, it'll be good. We're trying to get the groups out and good. get used to cycling because, as I said, we're all novices, so. 
All right, listen, it's lovely to have you. And again, if you want to get further details, we can give it to you here or pop into Joe Green's and Woodkey. Keelan Green and Jessica, thank you. Regards to Mom and indeed the rest of the crew. Uh, Brendan Ruddy, thank you for joining us. And Oliver Newell, soon to be dad. And if he doesn't get back in time for the birth, that'll be it then from there. <laughs> uh, thanks for joining us uh, today. Quick commercial break. We're going to head towards the 11 o'clock news and death notices. And we're back just after these.